Robert A. Wall, the voice of the jungle, broadcasting on the DVC to all points unknown. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're listening to Welcome Home Podcast on the DVC. everyone welcome to the waitlist this is uh welcome home's version of a i guess a topic based show we we you know we typically do a lot of a lot of news and dvc topics but this is a, our show where we cover just one topic and we cover it in in depth and go over a lot of different things around it so uh i got trevor here today and we also have a special guest uh brian from a dcl duo podcast he's here to to help us not only from the dvc side but also from the dcl side so uh brian thanks for for joining the show today yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Great to finally talk to you guys. Yeah, and Brian, you you you've listened to our show for I think for a while. I think you said right. You've you've listened to us, and I know you you've got your show, and you guys just started up pretty recently. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we started a podcast right when cruising pretty much stopped, and we started a cruising focus podcast when cruising stopped. But yeah, I've been listening to you guys uh, since before we bought into DVC a little over a year ago. Uh, I was looking around for podcasts. Uh, educate ourselves about dvc and um and found your guys's podcast and so started listening and it was a big help in making our decision to buy dvc so yeah i'm sorry that you came to us to educate you that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well you and you and your friend chad chad pennycuff so i the, the two of you guys are covering the field here on this stuff so i i love to listen to the shows we we, we try to uh do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast and about your your background with disney and uh you know anything you want to tell us about about your membership your dvc membership or yeah, sure. just about your dcl your your different cruise cruises that you do all that kind of stuff sure yeah so yeah my wife and i started a podcast called the dcl duo um we're big disney cruise line fans we started cruising with disney probably two years ago now and uh have done six cruises in a little over actually it's almost three years ago now done six cruises in that period of time we've got Four ocean cruises planned next year, one river cruise with Adventures by Disney. So um, we love all things Disney, love the parks, big Disneyland fans and Walt Disney World fans and have annual passes at both. And so it was kind of natural for us to buy into DVC. We have home resorts at uh, the villas at Grand Californian and at Riviera. Uh, so, um, you know, that's kind of our DVC experience. Have not had a ton of DVC stays as of yet because we just bought in about a year ago and things have obviously been <clears throat> a little bit weird here recently. But yeah, given our love of Disney, we uh, we listened to a lot of Disney podcasts and decided to uh, start kind of a cruise line focused podcast um, after listening to some uh, some of the others out there. And so yeah, we've been uh, we've been trying to start that up and had some guests on uh, during the quarantine period that have been really kind of fun uh, because folks are stuck at home and want to talk Disney. We've had some some authors and some uh, bloggers and vloggers and other folks on to talk about uh, their experience. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on with us today. We, we appreciate it. Because uh, you, you have a very unique perspective on this particular question that we got from one of our listeners who was begging us to talk about this. <laughs> begging us, right? <laughs> so uh, in the group. And this was from listener Jay. And so I'll just read this, read a bunch of stuff, basically everything they wrote out here, and uh, we can then just start talking about it. So the question is, could DVC build a new cruise ship, create an inventory of points, and sell those like any other DVC resort? Based on my rudimentary Wikipedia research, it looks like the Disney Dream has 1,250 uh, rooms 
at a cost of $900 million to build. I'm not sure how many nights per year the boat could be at sea, but I estimated they could book reservations for 80% of the year, giving them a total of 365,000 room nights per year. There's some math going on here. Uh, I appreciate the math, Jay. And uh, Brian did even more math that we're going to get into. Um, but uh, they... Jay put a simple average of 30 points uh, per night for a room uh, around what a uh, Villas at Grand uh, Floridian studio is during dream season for a total point inventory of uh, 10,950,000. If they sold those points at 180 per point, they could sell those points for, oh my gosh, what is that, 1.971 billion? Yeah, just shy of two billion. (laughs) Just shy of two billion. Or about a billion more than what it costs to, to build the ship. Um, now, you know, listen, these are all numbers that, you know, is written on a, on a napkin, right? So we don't, we don't know if these numbers are true. Um, but you know, it, Jay, Jay did the math on this. So for an owner who wanted to take a five night cruise per year, they would have to buy around 150 points, 27,000 at 180 per point. And let's say dues are higher than any other at $15 per point. Although this might be unrealistically low, Jay says. The question for you guys is if you had a chance to have a home resort priority to book a five-night cruise every year on a DVC-dedicated cruise line for 27000 upfront and then twenty two fifty a year in dues, would you buy that membership? Also assume these members have full DVC blue card privileges and can book any other resort, the same as the rest of us, with non-home resort priority. I'm thinking $180 per point might even be low. You guys tell me what I'm missing or that I'm crazy. I'm not saying that, by the way, Jay is. Uh, otherwise, use your connections to get the idea in the right hands. Unfortunately for you, Jay, we don't really have any connections. But uh, you know, if if we ever get to talk to somebody that that has some connections, we can make this happen. So uh, anyway, so I, I, I'm interested in this idea. I and let's for a second forget about any of the legalities around this. You know, the timeshare uh, industry is very, very, very uh, regulated, right? So let's forget about that. Whether this is even a legal thing or not, because we're just dreaming here, right? So, uh, what do you guys think of this? Well, I'd actually, oh, I was actually going to say on the, I was just going to say really fast on the legality side. There's already a model for this, uh, not in a timeshare aspect, so that might be a little bit different. But there is um, a cruise ship. I think it's called the World, and people buy rooms on it, and it just sails the world continuously, and you own a room on the ship. So there may be a model for this out there. I will just start by saying that ship is insanely expensive to buy a cabin on. Um, the the cabin, I believe, a baseline cabin, I believe, costs about like um, something like over a million dollars. So you know, just to, just to put it out there, the legalities probably could work out in Disney's favor if they wanted them to. Yeah, and I guess my initial thought on that is that yeah, the hundred eighty dollars a point is, I, I think that's incredibly low, especially for something like uh, like a cruise ship. I I can't imagine. Like looking at Riviera right now, I mean that there, that's a, a a fairly new resort and it's selling close to two hundred, and other resorts are selling above two hundred right now. So, I mean, when when you think about that, you know, adding a, even just an extra twenty dollars per point, that scales up quite a lot in terms of uh, of the overall price. So, um. Yeah, I mean that that would be amazing if they they could do one hundred and eighty dollars a point, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's. 
I, I, sorry, Jay, I, I think you're crazy on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other problem you have too, right, is that cruises are all inclusive, right? And so, yeah. and DVC is not all inclusive. You're just paying for your room. So, you know, you're, you're talking on a cruise, you're, uh, you know, the food is included and all the, all the entertainment and, and, you know, all, all the things that come with the cruise are included there. So you're, you're, you that's why there's such a premium when you pay for a cruise with points is because it costs a lot more right so well yeah you've got your food your entertainment your ports of call right uh, so the dvc you're talking about just covering your hotel room then you can add on your dining plan you can get an annual pass to the park so there's there's the added costs are all built in i, I don't know the, <clears throat> so i want to start by saying i was a big proponent of this idea um i've always thought it'd be a really fun and interesting thing this question forced me to think about it in a much more sort of analytical way, I think. Um, and I appreciate that the, that Jay provided some, some numbers. I agree with your statement up front, Tom, that, um, the math here is kind of, it's voodoo science at this point. Like we don't have, uh, a crystal ball into, to Disney's sort of profit and loss statement specific to a particular ship and cost. So, you know, I, I pulled some numbers and things to try and analyze this problem a little bit, but they're kind of coming from all over the place and they're a little bit of a guesstimate. But I kind of would break the problem down into, <clears throat> excuse me, I would kind of break the problem down into what is the benefit to the the buyer? What is the benefit to Disney? And then, you know, do those two things, are they both beneficial? If they're not both beneficial, then I it's not going to happen. And so I don't know how much you want to get into the numbers here, but I, I would say that at a rudimentary level, I think there could be a benefit to Disney. And there could be a small benefit to the buyer, but I'm not sure it's enough to really entice a buyer. And I'm not sure that it's really enough to entice Disney. And at the end of the day, they've probably run these numbers with their own, like they could run these numbers and probably come up with something that's, you know, what I would say, much more accurate than what I've done. And they may have, right? So, so I, I guess the question is though, too. So like, let's say, let's just use Jay's pretend numbers. And Brian, did you come up with like a different cost that you would think it would have to be? I, I'm just looking down through here. You think it would have to be a lot higher, right? Well, so yeah, I mean, so the numbers that I think Jay got dead on. So yes, the fantasy has 1250 staterooms. Uh, when she was built in 2012, it cost $950 million to build her. So, you know, moving that forward to today's real cost, it'd be about 1.1 billion uh, to build a ship like the, the fantasy. Um, I think the place where Jay's math starts to break down a little bit is the maintenance costs. So actually two places. One is probably the cost to buy in. I think you're right. I think, you know, 180 something a point is going to be way too low to buy into a cruise ship considering everything that they're going to have to, to pay for. Um, and so, but I think the other big place is the maintenance cost. So I think Jay asked, uh, or Jay, uh, estimated about $15. Is that is that my getting that in my memory right? Yeah, there, it was huh? fifteen. Yeah, fifteen yeah. dollars. So I, what I what I thought of to start with was just to sort of say like, okay, well, what is the cost of op- of operating a luxury hotel, right? And um, I couldn't really find a good number, but it you know the the, the best estimate I saw out there was about twenty four million dollars a year to operate kind of a luxury hotel. The cost to operate a cruise ship on an annual basis is something north of, I think it was like $370 million a year. Um, just to, just to maintain and operate the cruise ship. And that's, you know, you got to think about that through the lens of a hotel on Disney property can have some shared service access, right? They, they'll have maintenance staff that are, you know, maintaining the hotel, maintaining the parks, 
right? They have cast members they can rotate in and out of hotels if they need to. Um, it, so there's some shared service access that they have that a cruise ship is basically taking that hotel and moving it from place to place to place. And every time it docks, it costs money, right? And then the other thing is just fuel consumption on these things. Uh, you know, cruise ships are sort of, you know, uh, you know, raked over the coals for not being very environmentally friendly and there's a reason for that they consume a lot of fuel and produce a lot of waste and it costs money to deal with all of that stuff right so i think that the maintenance fees that i sort of figured out based on kind of my own math was something around 27 dollars or 28 dollars a point and i have a feeling that's actually low um uh, for Disney. Uh, and it doesn't really factor in, I don't think. Um, cruise ships will go through a dry dock process once every five years, five or six years. I think the modern ships are, are meant to accommodate. So it'll be taken offline for two weeks and refurbed and rehabbed and, you know, maintained. Um, and so, you know, when they, when they rebuild pieces of the ship, that costs even sort of more money. Um, so I have a feeling the maintenance costs here would be really, really high. And what I get concerned about is when you start to take, okay, so, an inside stateroom might cost you 115 points for a, a seven-night cruise or a five-night cruise, whatever it is. You multiply that across a big maintenance cost, and basically your maintenance fee for the year might start to come out to the same price as just buying a room on the ship for a seven-night cruise. And so now, you know, if that's the case, well, then I've got to go on more than one cruise a year, which means I have to buy more points, which means my maintenance costs are constant. It's, it just becomes this sort of game where the whole thing collapses because you're not really saving any money from just buying the cruise ship you're, or buying the, the room on the cruise ship for a particular cruise. What you end up doing is you're paying the whatever it is, $27,000 for the hundred and some odd points um, to have booking priority, which you can get through the Castaway Club and Disney cruise line just by taking cruises. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, the problem I see with it primarily is the maintenance cost. I think. But so, so what if it was a different ship though? So what if it was a new ship that was just for this specific DVC DCL, right? So I know that doesn't impact the numbers per se, but does it <clears throat> allow the cost to be at the same level? Right. So I guess what you're saying is you're going to have a ship that's booked all the time and even though it's going to be the same cost for the user, it's going to be the amenity of having a special ship. Yeah, I think it would come down to, so what percentage of these costs fall into what bucket? So like, you know, in a hotel, a huge percentage of the cost, right, is just the labor. Yep. Um, now in the cruise line, I'm guessing their margins on labor are a little bit different because they're using contract labor outside the US. So they don't have to pay, you know, the same minimum wage requirements and benefits and all of that sort of stuff. So but they've got more labor, right? They're carrying around their engineering staff with them. They got to have someone pilot the ship. Um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of staff that a hotel wouldn't necessarily so, carry with. Yeah. Them. So I'm not necessarily yeah. speaking about, um, in comparison to a hotel, I'm just speaking in comparison to the other cruise ships per se. Right. Yeah. Right. So well, and that's, and that's where I sort of headed with, with, you know, like, so one, you're going to have the same amount of labor on board. Yep. I don't see a, a way around having the same amount of labor. You're going to consume the same amount of fuel. I mean, DVC right? people I, are nicer people though. So can you get rid of some of, <laughs> some of the labor? Cause they're not going to sure. be as uh, uptight about certain things. But, I don't know. But I, I mean, have you been in some of those Facebook <laughs> groups? Uh, you but, know? But I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, could you save on labor costs, you know, in terms of, right. Cause these are going to be DVC members in terms of kind of, upfront contracts and what expectations are, right? There's there's a little bit, not to say that you want to give a lesser experience per se, but I, I think that you could cut some of the things in terms of labor to kind of help 
because it is DVC. I don't know if I'm kind of, you know, getting my way around that. No, no yeah. You know, and it makes sense. I think what I'm looking at is the order of magnitude of the problem, yeah. right? So to maintain a low maintenance cost at a hotel of $15 a mm-hmm. point, you know, which is high, right? You're talking about a $24 million operating budget on an annual basis for a cruise ship. You're talking about 360. So like if you cut a few staff here and there, a few amenities here and there, like how much do you cut where it stays attractive? And is that Disney Cruise Line experience for a DVC member as opposed to, you know, uh, something that's compromised and have you cut enough to bring the budget down to a much lower maintenance so, cost rate? So, so how about something yeah. crazy as no buffets? Well, I think that would be a good idea regardless. <laughs> right now, but, but, but I mean, like, there's got to be a fair like, amount of cost in that. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and if I think about what Disney, I mean, the other thing you have to think about from the Disney perspective is like, if this, um, if this ship doesn't sell out to DVC members, I got to market it to just a regular cruising crowd. Right. And so what's my marketing scheme to get well, someone on board a cruise ship that that's not do, sailing full? But do I have to though? Right. Cause so think about it like this. If I have everyone's money, why do I care how many people are on the cruise ship? If I already have your money, because there's right. That's the thing. And a cruise ship, like you said, there is no, you know, cost of, you know, Disney not making any more money because it's all inclusive. So as a, you know, do I care? Do I care how many people are on the ship? If everyone's paid for the ship. I think you do because that's, that's the other place where I'm a little skeptical of the math. Okay. Uh, to be perfectly honest, so if the if the ship costs 1.1 billion to build, mm-hmm. and yeah, you sell out. So I, I calculate a slightly different number of points. I think it's about thirteen thousand, thirteen and a half thousand points that they could sell because the ship can actually sail about three hundred and sixty two nights on average a year. Um, and so if you do that math, Disney nets out close to two billion dollars just selling the points, mm-hmm. right? But the cruise ship's probably going to have a 20-year lifespan for Disney. And, you know, running some math, which is this is where things start to get really kind of wonky because we don't know exactly what Disney's margins are on some of these cruises. But they can make about $200,000 per day at sea. I actually suspect that number is low. That's based on a carnival ship. Uh, and Disney is considered to be, I think, a class above carnival. And they charge a premium above carnival. So I'm trying to do some kind of cost comparison here, but let's call it two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars per day at sea. And if you multiply that out across twenty, you know, across a year, that's seventy two and a half million dollars per year. That's you know potentially you know the two billion dollars over twenty years, right? By selling the rooms mm-hmm. on the ship, and so I have a feeling the math here comes out close enough that what Disney would want to do is be able to sell those rooms to make more money off the ship, right? Um, so that's. That that's sort of I think I think where the cost comparisons break down are the maintenance costs and whether Disney actually comes out ahead selling everything up front or not. Yeah, and that's tough because I think that for me I would pay double the maintenance cost and I pay double the point cost, but I'd want something that was you know a riverboat you know themed for the new Splash Mountain as an exclusive <laughs> boat. Right. And at that point, you're getting into the whole Star Wars hotel thing. Like, so, all right, that's what I want. And I'm going to pay double for it. And then does the math, right? And now all of a sudden, and again, I'm going to knock out buffets, right? So it's going to be, you know, less people involved. I mean, maybe the food costs go up a little bit at that point. But I feel like that helps the numbers kind of push in that direction. And, you know, there is no selling to anyone else. I mean, that's what I would make it for me. Because then, again, I don't necessarily care if I already have your money. I mean, people are going to go, 
and maybe you allow them to necessarily like to do kind of like a, you know, DVC, DVC, DCL rental store, right? <laughs> Something along those lines. But I don't know if I'd cash sell a boat like this. Does it help the, the numbers if I don't cash sell a boat? It, it might, except that then what do you do with members who want to take their points and use them someplace else? No. Right. Cause in the current system, cause in the current system, DVC would, would then sell that room as a cash day. I, I don't see the cruise line saying, well, cause there are times of year when these cruise ships are already kind of not necessarily at capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you now limit that down to, well, only DVC members sailing and yeah, I, I just, well, you know, are they really going to want to sail a ship a third full? And how would the membership feel about that if they're supporting maintenance costs? Well, I, I think maybe that what full. you do is you do a little bit of a different setup, like a lot of the other timeshares do, where you're going to end up buying your week rather than buying your points. I mean, does that may be something that would alleviate that? And then maybe in terms of pricing, then pricing changes across the board. I, I know that's a, a big change from what DVC is. But I mean, it would be a way around that per, you know, that kind of that issue in general. What What if you make the boat smaller? What if you What if you just What if you have the size of the boat and have it more be like a more personal experience, be a much smaller, more intimate experience than like a gigantic, you know, cruise ship? Well, I have a feeling the cost kind of scale, the cost structure scales, yeah. right? right? So, so even if you make it smaller, it's still going to be financially iffy. Well, I think you have to start charging more, right? Like. For that smaller intimate experience, but th- like that might actually be a path, if that makes sense, because the cost structure starts to scale the same, I suspect, but you might be able to charge a premium for the rooms, right, on board, because you're, you're giving a more intimate yacht-like kind of VIP treatment yeah, experience. Yeah, like the hotel would be. Yeah. 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 But, you know, then the other problem I think you face, which I, I sort of was trying to wrestle with a little bit too, is just from an experience standpoint, where's this ship sailing? Is it just constantly sailing? Yes. Port Canaveral? to the Caribbean, to Castaway Key, or maybe Lighthouse Point. Um, and is that enough of a, is, is that enough of a draw or do people really want to sail other places? Right. I guess it's going to depend on what the experience is. And then is there, you know, a replayability of that experience? And what is that time frame? Like, I almost could see this as something that's not an every year thing, but an every three year things. And if you kind of made the point set up, you know, that way you could actually save a lot on cost because you could make the show, you know, a once every three year sort of change per se, especially, you know, when you start that first year. I don't know. I could see it as a riverboat too. I would do a riverboat. I don't necessarily think it's got to be in the ocean for me. Well, I mean, Disney is moving into, well, I've moved into river yeah. cruising, just not Disney Cruise yes. Line. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is an interesting idea because the river cruising over in Europe, you can, you know, as long as you build the right size of ship, mm-hmm. right, they can fit on the different rivers comfortably. Um, you know, you could, you could move itineraries around. You could have your Christmas markets cruise in the Christmas time and, you know, sail a different river down the Seine or something, you know, in the summer. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think this could, like you said, I don't know if the numbers work if you take the current look of what DCL is and then try to put, you know, kind of shoehorn DVC into it per se, unless you're, unless you're charging so much for it, but then what's the benefit? Well, let, let me let me ask you this. Okay, so let's all ask this to the group. What is the price at which you would do this? Like, so what what's the what would be the the annual dues that you'd be willing to annual pay dues or and buy the upfront? What's that? The both, both. I'm saying I that mean, was the the initial cost and what the annual dues would be for it to be worth it to you to cruise for five. Every nights time years. that I cruise, and I mean, I'm sure Brian could, could answer this as, as well. But every time I cruise, it's at least ten grand. I mean, so if I want to cruise every year, it's ten grand every year just to cruise. Yeah, that's 
That's about so as long as it's just a little <laughs> bit less than that, I'm in. Seven grand a year, I'm in. Why not? So I mean, that's that's considerably more than what we've you know calculated out. Well, here, that's right? yeah, that's what I'm the, saying. Is that if I could save three thousand yeah. dollars, why would I not? And see, I think that's again when you start thinking of Disney Cruise Line, there's a reason why a lot of people don't go. I mean, I've been, I'm sure Brian has been too, but I've been on a few different cruise lines. Disney's the best. It's not a discussion, right? That's, it is for, at least for me, right? For what I've cruised. But that premium is three times as much as a carnival. You know, I don't even think it's double. I think it's close to three times at this point of a carnival. And I mean, I'm okay with that. So would I be okay with 7,000? If you told me right now I could sign up for a seven day, let's give me a seven day cruise for seven grand. I'm in. I, I think that also does go back to, uh, so, so initially, like Brian was saying that, you know, this would be offered as part of DVC as a whole, where, where you could move between, you know, staying at DVC resorts and doing Disney Cruise Line. That's tough. I think you would have, you would have to separate it if, if you're going to do that, because, you know, someone's not going to pay for, you know, maintenance fees that are, are, you know, way higher than what we're paying right now in uh, DVC. Um, and you know, with the, with the offer of, yeah, you can stay at DVC to them would be like, well, you know, that's not, that's not a benefit, right? It would, it would have to kind of stay exclusive to Disney cruise line at that point. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think the other draw for cruising is the ability to kind of choose your own adventure a little bit. I mean, so yeah, I agree with you, uh, Damon, that I, I 10 grand is kind of the moving average, but you know, some cruises are more, some cruises are less. It really depends on where we're going, when we're going, what's the experience we want to have. Are we getting a very merry time cruise? Are we getting a Marvel day at sea? Are we headed over to Europe? Right. So it's not super attractive to me to just have a ship that's sailing in the Caribbean that I have priority on because I kind of already get that by being a, a castaway club member. Right. And I don't have to pay the 27,000 up front, which is just an inside room buy in. Right. <laughs> if I want my standard ocean view room buy in, I have a feeling that's going to be closer to, you know, forty five, fifty thousand um, $50,000 up front cost. Um, but it, it does make know. sense. But you're right. That is a, is a hard cost. But it would make sense if you're cruising a lot. Well, I mean, we're cruising four times next year on Disney, yes. <laughs> supposedly. So we're cruising a ton, but I'm not sure I would buy enough points on one ship to do that, right? Because our cruises next year are, we've got, I think, two Caribbean cruises, but one of them's out of New Orleans. So, you know, we wouldn't even be going out of Port Canaveral. One of them's in Europe, right? So it's it's sort of, you know, for me, cruising is about as much as the destination as it is the ship. And so just to be able to get on a ship for the next 20 years that's sailing the Caribbean isn't super appealing. It could be appealing for others, but it's not appealing for And me. it's interesting because I don't necessarily care about the destination of a cruise ship. I'm about the cruise itself. You're, you're about the about the eating and the relaxing and the well. There's no gambling. On no, that. unfortunately, <laughs> if Disney did that, it would be a whole different ball game. But no, I don't really actually. Well, there's care. a way to drive the maintenance costs yeah. down. We'll put a casino on, yeah, of course, and then they can rake in the money. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't actually even get off the boat that often. To be honest with you, I don't. It, I feel too rushed by the port timing to want to do anything at port. Like that's me. I actually. I, I, I'm kind of with you on that because when I've when I've cruised before, like the sea days were actually kind of my favorite. There's something really kind of weird and relaxing about looking around you com- and being completely surrounded by water. Yeah, uh, it's just, <laughs> it's there's just so many things cool. I wish you know. I was like, oh, that would be nice to do that, and then I was like, oh, I have to get my own transportation, or oh, I got to be under this time limit, or oh, I got to be back by then, and I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, and I, that, oh, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I, I realized, Damon, that you're me. When I stay at the Polynesian, when you're on a yeah. cruise boat, 
Yeah. That's why if there was like a river cruise boat, like I'd be all in. That that I'd be all in on. Well, and so I'll say I'm the same way on the days at sea. I am super relaxed while my wife is running all over the ship doing everything that she possibly can. Uh, and I'm just sitting by, you know, the pool half the time or watching a movie on Funnel Vision. But I do use the cruises to go to places that I might not otherwise. So like our cruise out of New Orleans next year, if it happens, we're super excited because we're stopping in Key West. And I can't just I just can't imagine a time personally when I would go there not on a cruise ship where I would just take Ooh. the time to actually get all the way to Key West, yeah. right? So, you know, and we're going to uh, Europe in part because we're going to stop in some ports that we can sort of sample the cities. And I've been to a few already, uh, you know, on land-based vacation, but we're kind of sampling the cities and probably some of them are places we would just never get to. Mm. So, um, yeah, for us, I think we use the ports just to kind of sample a city and get off and then we're back on the ship where we want to be. So, yeah. I, I get what they've been saying though too, because I'm, it's, there's like that real time restraint that's there, right? And it's like, it, it, can you really enjoy it if you're like, they're like, be back in five hours or we're leaving without you? You know, <laughs> like that, that, that is a kind of restriction when you're trying to explore. But I, I get your point too, Brian, where you just kind of, it's a place you would have never gone otherwise, right? So, so let's, let's pretend for a minute Disney's going to do this, right? Let's, let's, you know, pretend like this makes financial sense, right? So I, I've got a couple questions for the group here. So first of all, what would you want the boat to be themed like? Do you want it to be different than the Disney Cruise Line that you see now? Like different than that that color scheme they do now? Have its own kind of thing that's totally separate? Or do you want it to be super Disney-fied like you know, the, the Disney boats are now? I'll start with that question. Um, I, I think I already kind of led myself down there. I'd make it a river cruise. I'd make it fully exclusive, right? It would be a different theme. It'd be Splash Mountain themed, right? The new Splash Mountain. Right. That sort of theme. It might even link up with a Riviera sort of stay, but it would be that Louisiana riverboat, you know, fully themed in, in that regard. That's, that's what I would say. And it would, yeah, it would have to be different. It could be a little bit smaller because, you know, I'm not worried about the waves and, you know, getting sick and all that on the river. So I would say that it could be a little bit of a smaller boat. All right. I personally, me, I would be okay with, you know, do it. I'm okay either way, actually. So I, I would be okay if they just made it a Disney boat, but I think it would be kind of cool if they did something specific and different for Disney, for DVC, uh, but more in the vein of, of like, I, and I'm not going to say that I, I wanted to look like Wilderness Lodge. That's not what I'm saying. I more mean in the highly themed area of like a Wilderness Lodge, whereas Riviera is like, and not to trash your home resort, Brian. I'm not going to trash it because I haven't been there yet, right? But uh, you know, the, it's it's a little more modern, and a lot of the upgrades they're doing are a little more modern, a little less like super Disney themed. So I think if we're going to go like a resort theme kind of kind of look to it i want it like over the top theme like like animal kingdom is like like uh wilderness lodges uh, that's kind of what i would want it to be so I, i'm i'm gonna take a slightly different view i so I, I mean i would want the ship to conform to kind of the the ships that disney already has out there i think that the they're super unique every time you see one you can recognize it immediately that is a disney cruise line ship with that sort of classic kind of yacht theming i think Based on this discussion, the direction I would love to see them head is maybe a smaller version that is more intimate and more yacht-like. I think there is something to selling to DVC members some sort of exclusive experience that's open only to them. And I think it could cure a lot of the... It could potentially cure some of the financial issues with <laughs> with this. I actually wonder if instead of buying into the ship, what they do is they build a ship that existing DVC members can get on board, right? That it becomes like a perk of being a DVC member in some way that you have access to book on this ship 
the general public does not. And it offers a unique experience to DVC members. Um, that, that could be interesting, especially in a smaller kind of setting for me. Um, and that kind of just going full scale into just something that's just super luxury, which I feel is like the selling point of DVC, right? Like you don't have to stay at moderate resorts. You can stay at deluxe resorts now, right? Like, so, you know, I, I would like to see them keep the existing look and feel, but maybe pivot more toward this like smaller ship experience, which also frankly opens up some interesting opportunities for them with regard to, uh, to ports that they just can't get into. So. So you wanted to kind of conform to the Disney standard and, and be pretty much the same kind of, kind of, kind of feel to it. Yeah. Cause when I get on the cruise ship, I feel like the theming that they have going for them that is just really, really spectacular is this just kind of ocean liner, classic ocean liner feel that you don't get on carnival, that you don't get on royal, um, you know, or Norwegian, right? Like you are on board a classic sailing ship <laughs> with distinctive colors. Um, I think there are ways to theme within that. Um, and I think if they pivot more to this kind of, you know, higher end experience, um, you know, that could be interesting. I just don't know if DVC membership is, you know, you guys would know better than me. Are we talking about people that would enjoy a higher end experience, a VIP experience, or are we feeling more like DVC members are just, you know, looking to get that deal? Because if they're looking to get that deal, then my idea would not work <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I don't know. I tend... Go ahead, Trevor. I, I was going to say, I, I feel there's a Venn diagram there. Uh, it, there, there it's definitely a mix. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> go ahead, Trevor. Uh, yeah. So just my idea of theming, I, I'm going to go completely in left field. This is, you know... Moana themed, like, I don't know if it would be Whoa. like the long boats yeah, or, awesome. or the Kakamura big boat <laughs> thing that they had going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it, it, you know, it kind of, I'm in the same mindset as Damon is, you know, make it completely, you know, that, that Disney theming, right. You know, make it just as stand out as possible. So, you know, every time that boat shows up, everyone's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's the DVC boat. There's no mistaking it. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. And I, I think you're right about that, about the, you know, there are some members that bask in the luxury, right? They're, that are there for, they're there for the specialness, right? They're there to be treated extra special. And the only reason I know this is because I'm in some DVC groups, okay? And there are the people that expect, like, Every time you walk through those gates that a cast member, you know, gets down on one knee and kisses your shoes and then, you know, welcome, sir and madam, you know, like, like there are those people that expect that kind of treatment. And then there's others that are just looking for value and looking to save money. So, uh, but, but to your point, if you're going on a Disney cruise, you're expecting that luxury, right? Already. You don't even need to put the DVC shine on it to make it you know, want to be luxury. It's already a very luxury experience, a very luxurious, I should say, instead of very luxury uh, experience. Uh, so you're, you're really, how much more can you improve on that or build on that, right? How much more could you really make this a luxury experience with DVC? I think it's, to your point, making it more special, making it more exclusive, right? A lot of people like the exclusivity of DVC and, and, and that kind of thing. So I, I think... Kind of that's where where you'd be at with that. So okay, so here's my other question. Uh, so, what kind of if, if, again, if this let's pretend like this is happening, uh, what kind of blue card privileges do you think DVC members should get on the ship? I'm just coming up with questions randomly here. That's an interesting, <laughs> extra ones, extra. That's, ones. An, that's an interesting question. You know, one question I had was sort of, would we want concierge class rooms on this ship or not? Um, 
Well, what if all of them are concierge because it's DVD? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I wonder if the blue card privilege, like, this kind of goes back to my, my, my sort of, uh, where my head keeps going is, is the blue card privilege just access to the ship itself? Right. I think, you know, to, mm. to Damon's point, like, if you, if you want to have an experience that's exclusive to DVC members and can't be sold to the general public, then the ship itself and the opportunity of the ship itself would be the, the blue card privilege. Um, I guess you're sort of posing the question, though, what if so every D would every DVC member have access and then when the blue card members have special access um, saying in general, like what extra benefits would you expect to get on this ship that you wouldn't get on a regular Disney ship? Let's go. Gotcha. Gotcha. I I would look for uh, I think one thing I'd be interested in is more intimate shore excursion experiences and perhaps uh to david's point longer stays in some of these ports you know on the theory that you're talking about a ship that people are coming back to consistently over you know a potentially a 20-year period of sailing right which means they're constantly on the ship they're constantly sailing it they're potentially constantly doing a similar itinerary over and over again how can we get them shore excursion experiences that are unique uh, that just aren't the ones that we're offering to sort of the, you know, the other cruising population that, you know, you've seen this port enough. We want to give you something that's new and exciting about it. It's interesting. I just had, I just had a crazy thought, actually. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw this out here, right? So what if instead, instead of selling DVC rooms on board, so that when, when Lighthouse Point came on board, right? And they, and there was rumors that, uh, that not rumors, but, uh, that Joe Rody was going to design Lighthouse Point, right? There were people, there was some news articles out that incorrectly stated that Disney was building like a resort on like Lighthouse, uh, is it Lighthouse Point? Is that, that's it, right? Lighthouse Point? Brian? Yeah, it's Lighthouse Point. Yeah, okay. on uh, on Eleuthera. Yeah, yeah. Eleuthera. So Lighthouse Point. So uh, there was some confusing news articles out there. So then all of a sudden, a bunch of people thought that they were building a resort on that island. Well, what if they did? What if they built a DVC resort on that island, right? And part of you buying into that DVC resort is some sort of access to the cruise ship that gets you there. <laughs> I just just crazy thought I just had. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's almost so like DVC ferry service. Uh, yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's not that the boat is just a ferry. Like you'll still do some cruising around and and stuff, but you'd stay on the island for maybe yeah. a couple days as part of it, right? Yeah. What, what's interesting about that is that it attaches it to a hotel. Um, I don't know. It feels like it would it would complicate the the proposition for me at least. Oh, it totally would. <laughs> um, because it's like, well, then I have to have points at the hotel, or the like. What's the point chart for the hotel and the cruise line? Are they combining them? Right. Combine. So like, it. Yeah, I would. I would love. So let me say this separately. I would love for them to have a DVC resort on like Eleuthera or Castaway Key. Like I just think that would be amazing to be able to go do a land based stay, especially Eleuthera, because there's actually a population there, um, and there's things to do there. There's some interesting sites to see, and the island is big enough that you can't really get to all of it uh in the short time that you're there um but it's a pretty relaxing island i think that would be a really interesting thing i'm not sure i would couple it with the cruise itinerary because i'd like to have the opportunity to stay at the hotel even if i'm sailing a regular disney cruise for instance potentially so so you're pro dvc rooms on an island though yes although i don't know how you would get there you'd have to figure out how to get there that's that's the that's the hard part right so (laughs) yeah and they have eleuthera is actually a populated developed island so they have an airport there yeah, I was going to say, if, if the only way you could get there was by the, the cruise ship, that would, yeah, that would be a, a very hard selling point. 
I think. That would make it a little more difficult. That's how I was yeah. like saying like maybe it's a combo, right? Maybe like you buy this membership and it gets you a four-day cruise which ends on not ends, but maybe the middles uh on this island for a couple days and then, you know, ends on, on your way back and 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 you head back. I, I don't know. It's or, a crazy idea I just had as as we were talking. <laughs> or you you take the ship there, you stay and then you fly back when you're done. Oh, oh yeah, where you could do that too. Yeah, that would work too. Yeah. Yeah. But Trevor, yeah, except, I, I, they, except they wouldn't want the ship empty on the way back. That's true. Yeah, they want you the never ship you true. never want a ship to be empty unless it's sitting out of the water. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very true. Uh, Tre- Trevor, you didn't get to answer the uh, the because I went on a tangent. Uh, you didn't get to answer the question about the uh, extra benefits. Is there anything you can think of that you think like extra benefits? Um, honestly, I I don't think I'm in a position where I could really speak to extra benefits because I've never, never been on a to- cruise, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know what standard to begin with. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, and I, I haven't done a Disney cruise yet at this point. Uh, it's on my to-do list at some point, but my, my daughter's pretty young and, uh, we're waiting for her to get a little bit older before we decide to drop that kind of money on a cruise. And plus, you know, just we're, we're hoping the grandparents will just, you know, pay for one and we can just take her then. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to hold our breath for that. Well, the, the, I mean, the other easy blue card benefits, frankly, if you're talking about opening the ship up to everyone, like, and, and then, you know, maybe there's something additional if you're a full fledged blue card DVC member. Um, I do think there's opportunity there for kind of replicating the castaway club in the DVC setting, uh, which, you know, is going to be very controversial with the members who hate the fact that there is this sort of, you know, cast system in the membership. But, yeah. you know, a platinum castaway club member on a DVC, or, sorry, a DCL sailing, they get perks. They get, you know, free meal at Palo, uh, once a sailing. Uh, they get priority access to booking over everybody else, right? So, uh, you know, they get access to the cabanas ahead of everyone except for concierge, right? So it's, you could replicate on a DVC ship that kind of thing. I think it'd be pretty controversial with the membership, well, but it would help. It would help Disney drive sales of direct uh, direct points. Well, and then what if you just go the route of you don't even you don't have a blue card for this particular purchase, right? You have a separate card. Let's call it the anchor card. They put a big anchor on it. Uh, <laughs> make it nautical themed, right? So we'll we'll make it we'll make it the the specific to the ship card, right? And then any non-members or anybody that's not a home resort member there, let's make it even more exclusive, right? So anybody that's traded their points in to, uh, to, to stay there that's not a home resort member of the cruise ship, they get less benefits than, than the home members do. And the home members maybe have a specific lounge or a specific, kind of in the, in the idea of the DVC lounge, you know, at, at Epcot, but, uh, but even more, uh, separated where you have just the people that uh, own that as a home resort get to use this special area of the boat. Just a thought. I don't know. Yeah, how for sure. Feel about well, that. you could have you could have like a you could have a uh, members lounge. Yeah, right? like they do at Epcot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have that on the boats today. They have the concierge lounge, so you could have sort of a larger version of uh, of that. Yeah, there you go. All right. I, anything else you guys can think of around this that you'd want to, you know, like what other things you could do for this ship, other other places that you could do for the ship? I feel like there's lots of tie-ins that you could do with Adventures by Disney too, with uh, with with this kind of idea as well. Uh, not that DVC and Adventures by Disney cross over that much, but it, it seems like you could do some interesting things with that as well. Uh, and it sounds like didn't you say you were doing an Adventures by Disney, Brian? I think you said you were. 
Yeah, we have an ABD uh, river cruise next Christmas time for the Christmas markets okay. down the down the Danube, Danube from Munich to Budapest. And, and ABD actually does have quite a few now embedded ABD experiences on Disney Cruise Line. Oh, so they, cool. I mean, they kind of do their their land based tours um, that attach to cruises. So you can get like a couple days on either side of a cruise, especially in like Europe. Um, you know, to see a city before you hop on a cruise, but they've also started doing these embedded experiences within those cruises where you get special shore excursions and you're getting off the boat first and, you know, that sort of stuff. So I think there is an opportunity for ABD tie-in. Um, and they seem to be kind of pushing into this kind of luxury cruising experiences with the river cruises. Cause the, um, the AB or say the ABD river cruises are actually with AMA waterways over in Europe, but the boats that they're using for Disney were specially built for the Disney cruises. AMA operates them outside of some of the ABD river cruising that's done. Uh, but the boats were constructed, you know, in partnership with Disney. So clearly they're, you know, interested in this market. I'm watching it with interest because I suspect that this is going to go the way of the big red boat. Um, meaning that sooner or later, someone at Disney is going to say, why don't we own this end to end? Uh, why don't we have our own river boats? And we had a guest on our show recently, actually, who had the same reaction and was sort of like, you know, pre pandemic. I think we might have seen them headed that direction in the next couple of years. You know, post pandemic, it'll probably be a little longer. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they go that route and, and buy some river boats. So, well, do either one of you guys have any more thoughts on this or, or should we, should we wrap this thing up or we have any more ideas or, or thoughts on how we could uh, make this? Make this a cool idea? Not that it's not a cool idea, but an even cooler idea. I hope someone at Disney is actually looking at this and, and that the reason they're not doing it is the numbers don't pencil in some way or they haven't figured out how to make them pencil out. But like I said up front, I'm a big proponent of this idea because I love cruising. And if I could guarantee myself kind of a spot on a cruise ship once a year to force myself to take that vacation, <laughs> I would love it. Uh, if I could save some money, all the better. Um, I would want to make sure the experience isn't compromised, but I do love this idea. I hope, I hope someone has thought about it over at Disney and has just said either directionally is not where you want to head right now. Um, or, you know, it's just that the math doesn't really pencil out for him. What, I mean, here's a, here's a question though, before we wrap up. So, I mean, could they take a piece of an existing ship and, and, and just put like, they kind of do with the existing resorts now where they sometimes will take over a piece of the resort and be like, okay, now this is DVC kind of like they did with Copper Creek and, and Animal Kingdom. Could they do that with an existing ship and just say, Hey, this group of state rooms is now DVC. We're going to sell DVC here and then kind of eliminate some of that upfront cost because they already have all these cash members or would a DVC member not want that? Would a DVC member want the exclusive experience and not want you know other non-dvc people on the boat i know that just sounds so snooty but you know what i mean (laughs) i mean i would say what i love about going on a cruise is the people and the people that we get to meet are a lot of fun and they're not all dvc members now that said they have a little dvc members opportunity on every sailing you know mostly for them to do their sales pitch for whatever new resort is on sale, but it's a great way to meet people who are DVC. Um, I, if, if you ask me, do I want to go on a sailing that's exclusively DVC? I mean, we have the DVC member cruise, right? And they do throw perks and fun things uh, on that ship. And I have it on my list of things that I really, really want to try. Um, I think we're going to have an episode coming up on our podcast in a couple of weeks, uh, talking to some folks who've been on the member cruise. Um, and so it's it's... It's interesting. I'm not sure where I come out on, do I want to be on a ship that's exclusively DVC people? 
Or do I want to be on a ship where I can interact with some folks who are DVC, but I can also just meet some general Disney fans who might be cruise line fans, like that sort of thing. So yeah, that I don't know the answer to that question for myself just yet. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. That makes sense. All right. Well, anything else, guys? Are we, are we Should we wrap this thing up? All right, cool. I think we're good. All right. Well, big thank you again, Brian, for joining today. Uh, can you give us a little plug for your podcast and where people can find you? Uh, you know, any sure. if they want to listen to your show. Sure. Yeah, we're the DCL Duo podcast. We're on all the major podcast platforms that I can think of. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at DCL Duo. Uh, we're also on Instagram, uh, and uh, we have a YouTube channel now that we've started up. We're doing a, a lot more sort of vlogging and video, so you can find us on YouTube at DCL Duo as well. Um, we're actually working on a DCL 101, 201, 301, and 401 video series um, in partnership with the DCL podcast, uh, another DCL-focused podcast out there. Uh, and so we've got that video series coming out over on YouTube. So if you're new to cruising and you're interested in trying to figure your way through how to pick a cruise and staterooms and all that sort of stuff, we're kind of slowly releasing some videos over there to help folks with that. DCL podcast is another, another friend of the show. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they're, I think they're a friend of a lot of shows. We love Steve they on are. the show. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, okay, great. So, uh, you know, and for, uh, for us, uh, thank, thanks again, Brian, for coming on. We, re- we really appreciate it. We appreciate your expertise on this topic. Uh, I felt like this was a perfect topic for you to come on as a DVC member and a, and a DCL person. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you having us. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. Same here. So, uh, you know, a reminder, as always, to our, our listeners, uh, don't forget to subscribe to Welcome Home Podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, any other podcast you can find out there. We are available. Just, you know, download us, look for us uh, as, uh, you know, Welcome Home and uh, the DVC and, uh, you know, Disney One, not the other Welcome Homes that are out there. Uh, as always, reminder to our listeners, we're not employed by the Walt Disney Company, and as such, any and all opinions we express on the show are our own, so please consult a DVC representative or Disney cast member for more information about anything we talked about today. Uh, again, big thanks to Brian for coming out today. We really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, this has been The Waitlist. This is Skipper Albert A. Wall, the voice of the jungle. Signing off from Welcome Home Podcast on the DVC. Do a huddle when we hit a chair. How she can cuddle is no man's affair. I looked around from pole to pole, found her in a sugar bowl.